Well, friends, um, it is my, uh, it's my real privilege and joy, actually. Uh, we've been getting to know um, Luke and Beth over recent weeks. Uh, they've been with us the last couple of Sundays, and we've been getting to know them a little bit over recent months um, as we're in a season of transition. It's my real joy to welcome Luke in a moment to come and preach to us his first sermon here at Life Church. So I would love it if we could give Luke a really big Life Church welcome. I wonder if you could just be on your feet for a moment and give him a massive Peterborough cheer as he comes to preach to us. It's so good to be with you this morning. It's a real joy to be um, together. It's a real joy to be here at Life Church. And this morning we're going to see that God has brought us together as a diverse, mixed group of people with all our different stories, our baggage, our diversity and our backgrounds, a mixture of people brought together so that as we learn to love and serve and champion one another, we will see all the more clearly just how wonderful Jesus' love is for us. So my name's um, Luke Sears. Um, this is my third week here at Life Church, and um, Beth and I um, have loved being here so far. We were part of uh, City Church Cambridge, just down the road, another relational mission church, um, for 10 years. Um, and uh, uh, I've... Uh, I've just joined the leadership team here at the church. Um, if you want to hear more about that, more about my, um, my journey and what, what we, uh, the transition season we're going through as a church, do come along tonight to the family meeting. For those of you um, who are called Life Church your home, I'd really encourage you uh, to be there. But genuinely, it's been such a privilege to be, to be here on Sundays. It's been such an exciting time for Beth and for me because when we've come, you guys have smiled at us, which is quite hard to do behind a mask, isn't it? But you've smiled at us. Thank you. And uh, you have welcomed us. You guys, uh, people have invited us into their homes and um, uh, offered help as we move. And that's really important to Beth and to me because there's a lot changing in our life. And so we're genuinely so grateful for your kindness uh, and your encouragement uh, to us. But as we come together this morning, we are thinking about what does it mean to do life together? What does it look like to do life together as a church family? And we're particularly focusing on this because, um, as Sam was telling us, we're leading up into life groups. And so as we think about what, why, why would I join a life group or what's the importance of, of being in community together? We wanted to really see what a wonderful central truth of our faith, being community and doing life together, is. Beth and I are really excited. We're joining Toddy and Lynn's group, so we've already signed up, and so we're going to be really excited to be part um, of that. So what have we done so far? Well, over um, the last three weeks, Phil helped us think about uh, what it is to be family, didn't he? He helped us think about what does it mean to be family and really encouraged us, especially on how the Holy Spirit changes us, encourages us, and, and, and helps us to love one another. Then Wouter picked up the concept of unity as well. Not uniformity, where we're all the same. And not just tolerance, where we put up with one another. But genuine, Christ-like unity. Love for one another. And he, and he showed us that actually one of the beautiful things about unity is that as we are unified as a church, that is the wonderful backdrop to our gospel proclamation to the world. And today we're going to pick up on a few of those themes. Uh, and we're going to think about what it means to be the body of Christ. 
Uh, so uh, if you have a Bible, but otherwise it's going to be on the screen, um, my friend Gordon very kindly said he's going to um, read for us 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 27. Um, so uh, let's follow along um, if you've got a Bible or on the screens. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 27. Thanks so much, Gordon. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, all were made to drink in one spirit, of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow the greater honour, and our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving great honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Thank you, Gordon. So we find ourselves in the first letter to the Corinthians. Now, this is a letter written by the Apostle Paul, who knew and loved the Corinthian church. He knew them really well. You can read in Acts 18 about when he went and planted that church. And actually, he spent a year and a half of his life in Corinth. This is a church he knew very, very well. And he wrote many letters to them. We have two of those letters in our Bible, 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, but there are hints throughout those letters that he wrote many others as well, at least two others. And so this is a church that Paul knows and Paul loves, but it's also a church that is full of division. In the first chapter of 1 Corinthians, we see that the church is pulling themselves apart, one saying, I follow Paul, one saying, I follow Apollos, one saying, I follow Peter. A few chapters later in chapter six, we see that some of the Christians are taking other Christians to court. They're suing one another rather than trying to resolve their differences. In chapter 11, when Paul is teaching them about communion, we see 
that actually the, the richer people in the church are not allowing the poorer people in the church to come and be part of the communion supper. They are, they are just kind of not really caring about those in the church who are coming uh, with less. And as we come to chapter 12, our chapter we've been looking at today, Paul is teaching the church in Corinth about spiritual gifts, the wonderful gifts that God gives to the church. And yet he's saying to them, no, you don't understand. The gifts are there to encourage and build up one another. But you are using them to promote yourself and to show how great you are. The Corinthian church was a church that was full of division. And yet it is in this context that we get one of the most beautiful pictures of what church life is, the body of Christ. I don't know about you, but church life isn't necessarily easy, is it? I've been part of City Church Cambridge for 10 years before Beth and I came and joined you this January. Before that, I was part of the Baptist church I grew up in, which I love very, very dearly. Both of those churches I love dearly. But there are difficulties in church life because we're in them. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes it feels like the most beautiful thing about church is that we have one thing in common. All of us come together because of Jesus. But one of the hardest things about church is that it sometimes feels like that's the only thing we have in common. And being church together can be really tricky. Not always, but sometimes. And so I love that this passage really helps us think about what does it look like to do life together in the times when being part of church is wonderful and the times when it's really tough. What does it look like to do life together? So we're going to um, be working through this passage that Gordon read for us. We're going to be picking up on a few of the verses. And the first thing I want to pick up right at the beginning of our passage is that Paul, instead of starting with what they should and shouldn't do, he reminds them of a beautiful truth of who they are. So let's read verse 12 and 13 together. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, So it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptised into one body, Jews or Greek, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. Notice these are not instructions that Paul starts with. He sees the problems in the church, but he's not starting with instructions. What does he start with? A reminder of who they are. That's that wonderful song we sang this morning. I am who you say I am. And Paul reminds them, what's one of the things that God says about us as a people is that we are one body. We are one body in Christ. Paul says the body of Christ is one. That's what verse 12 says. So it is with Christ. We are one body. He says, he doesn't say you should try and be one body. He says, no, you were baptised into one body. It's already happened. You have all drunk of one spirit. And so to a church which is very divided, 2,000 years ago in Corinth, Paul starts by reminding them of the truth that despite their feelings, despite the difficulties at times, in Christ, we are one. The church is one. What a wonderful truth to begin with. So I guess the question is, if God says we're one, why is it so tricky? And how do we do oneness well? How do we do 
life together. Now, I think Paul starts with telling us that each one of us has a part to play. I think that's so important. And Paul tells us in a really beautiful image, a really clear picture. Who likes Toy Story? Have you guys ever seen Toy Story? Surely most of you have seen Toy Story. Really? More people have seen it in the first service. I think you're just shyer. I think that's what it is. I think a few of you are like, I'm not telling you I've seen Toy Story. I've watched it three times this Christmas. Um, Toy Story 3 uh, was a really special film for me and Beth. We saw it quite early on in our relationship. Um, I Toy Story 1 came out a long time ago, didn't it? I'm not quite, quite sure how long ago, but I think it was around the time that Paul was writing this letter. Because Paul has clearly, have mi he clearly has Mr. Potato Head in his mind as he's preaching to the Corinthians. Mr. Potato Head, if you're not familiar, is one of the toys in Toy Story. He's a toy anyway, actually. But one of the toys in Toy Story uh, where he's a potato, I guess. Uh, and he has, you can put his legs in his arms and his eyes on his ears and his hair on his feet. And you can change all the body parts of Mr. Potato Head uh, for comic effect. And Paul clearly has this picture of Mr. Potato Head in his mind as he helps the church in Corinth to think about what does it mean to do life together? Because he says to them, guys, you, you need to know that each one of you has a part to play. Verse 15, he says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would, for not, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. He says, no, every part is important. He goes on to say, think about Mr. Potato Head with, with eyes all over his face, but no ears. He can't hear anything. Or think of Mr. Potato Head with an ear instead of a nose. He hears imperfect surround sound, but he can't smell, he can't taste, he can't enjoy these things. Paul's point is clear, isn't it? With this wonderful visual of being a body, he says, if one part is missing, the body can't be all that it was meant to be. And he's reminding us that that's who we are as a church. Each one of us has a part to play. And without each one of us here today, the body is lacking. So as we learn to serve and care, as we learn to champion and encourage one another, we've got to remember that each one of us has a part to play. Now that should change how we see ourselves. Actually, I can't discount myself. I can't say I'm not important. But it also needs to change how we see one another. And I think that's where Paul goes next. So let's read verses 21 and 22 together. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor that, again, the head to the foot, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem weaker are indispensable. Do you notice what Paul said there? He doesn't say the parts of the body that seem weaker. The, those in the church who seem weaker to us that, well, you've just got to put up with them. Just smile. Just let them be there. No, he doesn't say that. And he doesn't say the parts of the body that are weaker, well, maybe they can contribute to the kingdom of God, but only in a small way. No, Paul says the parts of the body that seem weaker, we cannot do without. They are indispensable. You see, the church works completely differently from the world. Because from the most together, and impressive of us, to the youngest, the newest, the most broken and the weakest, each one of us has a part to play in the church. 
Each one of us is vital to God's work in his people. I told a little story in the first service. Um, uh, the, the lad who was um, doing the reading, it was one of the first people outside of the elders and their families that I met in the church last year. Um, and I remember this lad very well because he greeted me with a chocolate cake. We went to their house, um, this family in the church's house, and they very kindly, uh, he had made a chocolate cake. Now, he's a young lad, and in some ways, children are the weakest among us, aren't they? There are many different ways of weakness, but, but you could think, well, was that important? And in some ways, maybe it wasn't. But in another way, that young man welcomes me into his home that I'd never been to before. And he welcomed me into Life Church, which I was only just getting to know. The weakest among us are indispensable. I told that story in the first service, and one of the um, little girls in Glow made me a cake. So I'm going to keep telling stories about people making me cakes. <laughs> Um, because it seems like every time I do, people make me more cake. So I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> let's carry on reading. Verse 23, Paul says, On those parts of the body that we think less honourable, we bestow greater honour. As a church, as we think about doing life together, isn't it such a privilege that it is our job to champion, encourage, and honour one another, to lift up one another, to say well done, to say you are contributing to the church wonderfully. But I find this verse actually even more challenging because Paul says those parts of the body that we think less honourable. Isn't it easy to have our perception not quite right with people? Oh, do I think you're less honourable? Whoops. It can be so easy to be distracted by the big and shiny things of life. And that's true in church family too. You can be distracted by the preacher who's up at the front, those who are public or who lead or make decisions, and so easily miss the things that maybe on the surface seem less honourable, but in God's economy, they are the honourable things. They are the things of greatest honour. And what has been such an encouragement to me is that I've only been in the church family for two or three weeks, and yet I've been able to see a quiet symphony of service that you guys have done for one another. I've seen the tech crew turn up early each week. Musicians jump in last minute. I've seen men and women serving teas and coffees, smiling behind their masks. I've seen people come in the middle of the week and hoover. I've seen uh, people care for the admin of the church, and I've seen you guys putting your arms around one another when you know that person is in need. Much of this goes unnoticed, and that's right, that's okay. But it's those things that maybe on the surface are less flashy, less shiny, less honourable in some people's eyes. Aren't they the things of great honour in God's kingdom? Aren't they the things that we should be celebrating and championing and encouraging and calling out saying, wow, what a contribution you make to the church family. Thank you. So just as... um, Paul helps us think about the weak among us, how they're indispensable. Those that we might think less honourable, that we must give them great honour. He gives us a third group to really think of as we think about doing life together. In halfway through verse 23, he says this. Our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. As a church family, 
It is our privilege and responsibility to care for the vulnerable among us, isn't it? To care for those who need. Each one of us needs from one another, but to have particular care for those, not deciding whether someone is worth our time by what they might give back to us or even what they might contribute to the church, but just saying, if you, need a, if you have a need, my brother or sister, it's my joy to help meet him. And so Paul helps us think through, what does it look like to do life together? We are one. We are one body. That's what God has already made us. But what does it look like to live like it? And he thinks these things through with us. He, he helps us think, uh, helps the Corinthian church think and think, help us think today about knowing and remembering the weak among us, that they're indispensable, honouring the less honourable and caring for the vulnerable. But as we come to an end, I just want to read these last few verses that we might not miss something wonderful that Paul teaches us. Halfway through verse 24, Paul says this, God has so composed the body. God has done this on purpose. God has brought us together as a diverse group of people with different backgrounds and different gifts, different joys and different quirks, different baggage and different stories. He has brought us together on purpose. So if he's brought us together on purpose, why? Why has he done that? Well, let's read on. So halfway through verse 24 again, God has so composed the body, giving greater honour to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honoured, all rejoice together. God didn't leave us as lone Christians, but he put us together in the church, the body of Christ. Why? That we might learn to love one another. That we might learn what it is to be loved and to love. That's what the passage says. But God so composed the body that the members might have the same care for one another. God did this on purpose. He brought together this, this mishmash group of people, which is the church, so we might learn to love and be loved. Because it is as we love one another, as we forgive one another, as we're patient with one another, as we, as we are long-suffering with one another, as we champion and encourage one another, as we live as a community of toe-treaders, isn't that a wonderful phrase that Valter gave us last week? It is as we do those things that we realise just how gracious the Lord's love for us is, just how wonderful Jesus' love for us is, that we are weak, and yet he loved us, and we had little honour, and yet he honoured us. And each one of us is vulnerable, and yet he cared for us. You see, we must remember that we are not just like a body as a church. We're not even anybody's body. We're the body of Christ. We are Jesus's body together. That's what verse 27, our last verse says. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of him. And what does Jesus's body do? Well, one chapter earlier, Paul had taught them about communion. So fresh ringing in their ears as they read this part of the letter, they remembered what Paul had taught them. In chapter 11, verse 23, I'll read it to you. 
it says this. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Our Lord, our Lord Jesus' body was broken that we might be one. He was broken that we might be united to one another and to God. It is our great privilege and our great joy as we do life together to love and serve one another. Because as we see how vital the weak are among us, as we honour the less honoured, and as we care for the vulnerable, it is only then that we will really start to see in all its brilliance how wonderful the love of Jesus was when his body was broken on a cross for us. That life-changing, community-healing, sacrificial love of Christ. And so as we finish, I'd love to take communion together. If you haven't got a communion pot, and there are some extras here, we can pass them around. So let's take a second to grab one. Don't worry if you don't have one. and We can take a second. But as we hand them out, let me read together that passage, that wonderful passage from 1 Corinthians 11. Verse 23 says this. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Let's take communion together. Amen.